Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Winding down the first week of August here on Sabres Live with our Friday staple, Shana Goldman. Marty is returning on Monday, Shana, and I suspect that even by then, he'll want to talk about the news we're talking about today, and that is Tom <laughs> Wilson's mega deal with the Capitals. Clearly, uh, even though it was established commercially a long time ago that Backstrom and Ovechkin are a duo, it would appear like Wilson is somehow very much part of this equation, too. It's, it's what a choice, you know, like I understand signing players a year early, right? Well, that's kind of a trend that we've been seeing this off season. And we're talking about a lot when it's the Austin Matthews and the William Nylanders of the world. That's who you plan ahead for. If you're signing a supplemental player like Tom Wilson, ideally, if you're doing it early, it's because you're getting some sort of discount. There's no discount on this contract. There's no discount on the term. And maybe the Capitals are looking at it like, hey, we're not going to be good in seven years, so it really doesn't matter. But to, And, you know, obviously there's going to be cap growth between now and then, but to hamstring yourself for a player who is not that good, like he's a good, rough winger, right? He's coming off a bad year and you can't judge it because he had the torn ACL and everything like that. And I totally understand that. But the fact of the matter is the style he plays typically doesn't age well. He's really not a play driver in his own right and never will be. And I think everyone just gets kind of blinded by the extracurriculars of his game, which, yes, mm. can be effective if he maintains his discipline. That's a big if. But come on. Seven like, years. <laughs> that money, it's overpriced before it even starts. Seven years, $45.5 So <laughs> when you break that down so hard to say like I just he's coming off of a you know he was coming off of a six-year 31 million dollar deal he's 29 when's his birthday uh so he's out yeah so he'll be playing his age 29 season coming up but now you know the Capitals are going to be staring at a cap hit of six and a half so he gets the raise he gets more term and I had to laugh one of the articles I was like you know the length of the deal brings the AAV down and I'm like no, it didn't. No, it <laughs> like, did not. It's, it's it's still too high. And I don't dislike Tom Wilson, the player. In fact, I, I I like him a lot for what he is. But like, what would have been the proper extension to give him at this point in time, in your opinion? If they said, we want Ovechkin to go for it during his era, we're going to yeah. do whatever to maximize the team around him. And we know that we can clear cap in other ways. Like say they got rid of Kuznetsov tomorrow and they had all this extra cap space in the world. If they went, we're going to go three years at 6 million. I would still say it's rich because I think he's worth maybe three or four a year. Mm -hmm. Honestly, um, I could understand that. Or if they went the Islanders route of let's hand out these long-term extensions, but maybe go for like that 3 million a year on average. Mm -hmm. While I still think that could be an overpayment. It's one that I think you can bury very easily. So yeah. it's just, Everything about it is is it's so perplexing. I feel like general managers, when they try to like leverage situations and we see them sign these contracts earlier, trade for contract rights so they can avoid, you know, that open market crowd raising the price. They raised the price themselves. And I just don't understand it. What was the trade off? I don't see one. 
And I, I know the pursuit based on health, obviously for Ovechkin, presumably this chase is going to continue for the better part of two and maybe three more seasons. So that's exciting. But the reality is we all view the Capitals a little differently now as far as their Stanley Cup window. So what often happens in those windows and when the window is closing is you have to start removing pieces so you can build for the next wave. Like to me, this contract is untradeable. Yeah, like, no, it's it's bad. So Maybe in year one or two, right? Because I think if, if Tom Wilson was on the market tomorrow without the contract – so many general managers are diving at him 100%. and I completely understand that. But like to think of what the capitals just did, I feel like they mastered the retool on the fly that we hear all these teams talk about and completely bomb. They nailed it at the deadline, I think, and were able to quickly throw together some good pieces this off season to move forward and with the new coach and everything. Mm-hmm. And then they do this like way to end on a sour note. It's so strange, and 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 Backstrom's future uh, is still so cloudy based on the the hip surgery that he had, and the hope obviously is that John Carlson is fully healthy after that horrific injury last year. But you mentioned the the most intriguing name right now, one that has been out there for months and months and months and months, and it's the future of Kuznetsov. Clearly, the market is not bearing fruit from trade partners right now, or this deal would have been done a long time ago, right? Right. You know, you have a player who was really struggling offensively, and that's the highlight of his game. Defensively, there are a ton of flaws, but a lot of the times for a top six center, you can outweigh that with really strong offense, or you can say, it's okay, he plays with someone like Ovechkin who doesn't play defense, and that's totally fine. Of course, they're going to drag it down together. You can make excuses for it, but even after a strong offensive year relative to years past, teams still aren't interested. There's the on-ice aspect of it, knowing what his ceiling is versus you know the cost of acquisition, the cost of the contract, and then you have to weigh the off-ice element of it too, and there's been some you know like shady business there that would obviously scare teams away, so that's a player for me. I think the Capitals should be in on every center that's been on the market. Like in Elias Lindholm, I think they should be lining up for because I don't think that their top six center depth is strong enough across from Dylan Strom. But the fact that they can't get rid of Kuznetsov is going to stop any chance of doing literally anything because they don't have the money unless they shed that contract. So who's going to get Lindholm? And do you expect him to be dealt before opening night? I actually don't. I feel like the Flames might hold on to him. And if this was Brad Tree living, I think it would be a different situation because like he couldn't bear doing that again. And rightfully so after the Johnny Gaudreau thing, I don't think anyone would judge him. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like Backlund now, it kind of feels like a little bit more of a backpedal. Like maybe he would think about staying there that I wonder if he's going to hope that Lindholm has that same change of heart to fully. It felt like a done deal. And that's fine. Right. Like they could they could obviously use him, but he wasn't perfect in Calgary anyway. Yeah. Lindholm, it feels like they view as the player to build around when I wouldn't value him that highly. But I do think that there are some teams that could really use the help down the middle. You know, the Minnesota Wild, you'd have to go through some cap gymnastics, probably have to get rid of someone like Marcus Foligno, but they could sure use him and have him opposite Joel Erickson-Eck, split that workload, have a high-end center to round out your center, uh, top six center depth. And, you know, you have a lot of contracts expiring next year. Like maybe that could work. The Canes could make sense. You know, the Canes are, should be in on everybody. They have the assets. They have the money. Why not? Um, Toronto could even make sense if they want Tavares at the wing, but that one, <laughs> look with the money too. Like there's some good options, but it's hard to see who looks better than Boston. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't Boston the obvious based on, obviously, the retirement of Bergeron and the expected imminent retirement of Krejci? Yeah, like, that's a team that 
they have that forward flexibility everyone should strive for, right? Because you have Zaka who could slide back to the you know, center. You have Charlie Coyle who you can move up. Trent Frederick, they might have to move over to 3C if they need. It works for them that you have this positional flexibility that Nyvern has. It, it helps when you have injuries, which it did when Bergeron was hurt at the end of the year. It hurts when you have players leaving after their contracts are up. But if you do that, it does feel like a huge weakening of their top nine because you still need players to replace that winger slot now. Or maybe, you know, someone like Zaka, he was much better on the wing in Boston than he was at center. As much mm-hmm. as he prefers to play at center, which he said in New Jersey, like it makes sense to go for at least one more center so you don't have to, you know, shuffle two over. And the problem is they don't have many prospects that are, you know, super tantalizing that they can jump up in the lineup and play because they either have drafted poorly, developed poorly, or traded away their picks and prospects. And here's where it starts to bite you. Mm -hmm. These are all, of course, Eastern Conference teams we're talking about seemingly on this day as it ties in with everything Sabres related here on Sabres Live. Shana Goldman from The Athletic is with us. Marty is back on Monday And the Penguins may well have a different look by the time Marty returns. Agree or disagree? They could. You never know. And I think this is a fun element to a very oddly slow building offseason, right? Like, we're all kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop, especially when, like, free agency wasn't as exciting as maybe we could all hope. Um, It's the Eric Carlson shoe. He wants to be traded. He wants to go to a contender. And he absolutely should. This is the time to trade him. His value is never going to be higher than it was after, I don't know, a Norris caliber and potentially, you know, Ted Lindsay candidate caliber season. Mm-hmm. He had a healthy offseason. And look what he did in the regular season. If he continues that, let's see what he can do next year on a good team when he has some support. So Pittsburgh is super intriguing there because, you know, they all want to go for it one more time. You have this core could it hurt them down the line? Sure. But like Pittsburgh is focusing on the, you know, the right now a lot because why, why not with Malkin and Latang and Crosby, it's a really interesting situation. And Eric Carlson certainly would take them up a notch. Well, it's interesting, but it's now compounded for Pittsburgh a little bit with Gensel having ankle surgery and he's going to be out for the start of the season. He'll go on LTIR. He'll be reevaluated in 12 weeks. Of course, he's been the overlooked uh, consistent goal scoring you know, uh, especially when they've been in the playoffs. He's just been so good over the last half dozen years. But Gensel aside, the Penguins, like a few other teams, are in one of their buyout windows again because you're able to enter into one of these once the arbitration cases are done. And that doesn't necessarily mean it had to go through the process. It's just once you've settled with players who were going the arbitration route. So the Penguins are one of these teams that are in a window which has you know, encouraged more conversation about, okay, what do they do with Granlund? Because he's been talked about as a buyout candidate for a long time. And if they're going to bring in Carlson, even at a discount from what he's actually being paid in San Jose, like they've got to do something here. And that Granlund seems like a logical first or next step, no? Absolutely. And this is why if you're if you're ownership too, you have to be proactive. It's not just general managers. It's like when the Oilers decided to fire Peter Shirelli right after he signed that Miko Koskinen contract. Like you couldn't have done that a few hours earlier. You would have saved yourself so much trouble. And instead, Pittsburgh was like, let's ride it out with Ron Hexall, even though we know he's gone at the end of the year. And they let him trade for a player, you know, to be a 3C, which 
they could have used. Jeff Carter was struggling, absolutely, but he doesn't even play center anymore. Like yeah. none of this makes sense. And you're tying yourself to someone whose contract extends through the life of Sidney Crosby's. You don't know if he's going to be back after that contract. So you have to maximize those years and dumping cap space into a player that doesn't do what you need him to do and who has been clearly on the, the decline is just a giant question mark. So he feels like the perfect buyout candidate for Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And now that I guess their front office is settled for the year. And there are no more questions. Docker. <laughs> I, I yeah. I mean, look, I, I everyone wants to dunk on Kyle Davis, and I, I get it. But I, I mean, I think he probably looked at the candidates and then was like, maybe we should just see what I can do. Let me cook for a little. Yeah. Let me cook, I, and then we'll figure it out. I'll get some supporting cast later. So are the Penguins back in the playoffs for sure? If they get Carlson and marry that with their other acquisitions this offseason of Graves and Riley Smith. Yes. If they get Eric Carlson, if not, then no, I put them in the bubble because I still look at their goaltending and I have a ton of question marks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they were like a good fringe team. They almost made the playoffs this year. If it wasn't for losing to, you know, some of the worst teams in the league, they would have been there. It does mm-hmm. feel like there's going to be a veteran team to fall out. Could it be the Islanders? You know, could the Capitals stay out another year? Pittsburgh, I feel like has a very slight edge on them. If they get Carlson for sure, because I think they have one of the best coaches in the league and with a healthier season, you know, from most of their players and even, you know, with the Jake Gensel injury in mind, like I'm not worried there. You could put nobody next to Sidney Crosby and he'll be, you know, a, a household name in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It's still true, but uh, definitely Gensel, I think, has been underrated for, you know, the better part of his time uh, with Pittsburgh. The Flyers are in the news this week, and and it's a positive story for two of their players, and that is possibly full health for Sean Couture and Cam Atkinson. And I get it. They're a little higher in age than when they were at their most effective in their careers. But I dare say most teams across the league would welcome back two players with the experience and ability of these two. They won't be getting Ryan Ellis, though. It looks like it's career-ending back injury for him. Um, I I say this often about Columbus, Shana. I think they're going to be better than people give them credit for. And now with these two names back in the mix for Philadelphia, I feel like I'm going to say the same thing about Philly. And I'm not projecting playoffs. I'm just saying they're not going to be as bad, which then chips away at the pie that everybody's trying to get into here. No, I agree with you on that. Like the Flyers this past year too, they were like that surprising team in the beginning of the year. And a lot of it was goaltending and you knew it wasn't going to last because the defense was so bad in front of the net. And then the two started trending in the opposite direction. I think that they had a strong off season because they, first of all, cleared the locker room of bad vibes. I think that is going to go a long way. And I know a lot of people want to say, well, John Tortorella is still there. I still think he'd bring something to the table. And I think that he could be the right coach for this team. But Kim Atkinson is just a disruptive forward with good finishing touch. I'm a big fan of his game. You can play him in all situations, anywhere in your lineup, and know that you have someone reliable to provide a, you know, a spark. And Sean Couturier, I am such a fan of his game. Like, I know he's coming off, you know, the injury, and you never know how a player is going to return from that. But you're talking about a sucky caliber center at his peak. He's mm-hmm. not that far removed from it. I think with more support, we could see him do a little bit more. But when you have someone like Noah Cates, who was in the Selkie conversation, if you rate by best defensive forward, period, and don't go for the offensive side, he was right there for it because he was so strong in his minutes, so strong in his role, and could take on top competition. If he can take some of the workload off of Couturier so he can ease back in a little bit, I think that we're going to see, you know, Couturier be in a position to bounce back more than maybe we could have expected. 
agree. Cates is notable. Uh, Farabee needs a bounce back. Konechny had a career year. Tippett almost scored 30. No one talks about Owen Tippett, but again, the more you put proper pieces around, this becomes the norm. And you're going to be going like, well, how did Owen Tippett have three straight seasons of about 30 goals? You know, like these are real possibilities and people have to be mindful of the talent that's there for sure. Um, Quickly, Trevor Zegras, he's the highlight of the remaining restricted free agents without question. Um, What do you think he gets now that the Troy Terry deal is done? I think he should get less than Troy Terry because I think Troy Terry is a better player than him right now and a better contributor. I think Zegers is probably going to get, you know, a long-term deal and I get going in cheaper now instead of seeing what happens in two years. Um, I wonder if he also gets seven years, but I would be curious if maybe they can get the AV a little bit lower because he doesn't have that proven track record of Troy Terry, who has been able to do a lot with nothing. You know, he's a great goal scorer and he's very good. You know, he's a good passer too, below the surface as well. I think that he is your best all around forward on Anaheim and everybody should, you know, fall in line after him. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. My inclination, though, is that he'll end up higher than Terry, but uh, that, that'll be, hopefully, <laughs> it's a discussion. Well, wouldn't it be something if we had an offer sheet to discuss by the time we roll around on next Friday's show? But uh, we'll we'll wait for that and uh, and wish you a great weekend, and thank you so much. We'll see you soon. See you. Shana Goldman from The Athletic will uh, wind down, as we often do, with birthdays on Sabres Live after this. 